Now, last week we started the series and we talked about how we fear the dark, right? We fear the dark, and we fear the dark because we cannot see. And so if you wake up in, in the middle of the night and it's dark in your house and you're just trying to, to get your bearings where you are, sometimes you forget when it's dark that there's a wall right there, right? And we run into that wall. And then other times, we are not told by our wives the night before that she moved the ottoman. And so we, we run into that ottoman that wasn't there the night before when we went to bed. And then if you've got kids, you understand this one. You tell them to pick up those Legos. <laughs> See, parents, you already know, right? Get these Legos, and you think they've cleaned them all. But there's always that one Lego that's hidden in the shag carpet, just kind of intertwined with it. You don't see it. And when it's dark, you definitely don't see it. And you step on it. Man, it's like needles going through the bottom of your feet. Now, I'm not going to say how we probably tend to respond in those moments. I'll let you kind of handle that yourself. But, but here's the deal. We know when it's dark, and we know when we can't see. All it takes is a little bit of, of light. And a little bit of light can light the darkness. So we can see where we're going to not run into that wall and not hit our foot on that ottoman. And Legos are just there, man. I mean, you just can't seem to get rid of them. So they just tend to be there. But maybe a little bit of light would work. Here in the Christmas time of year, I'm always reminded of the power of light. You think about this for a moment. From January to November... If you walk around maybe your neighborhood, you, you drive around residential neighborhoods, one of the things you will see that once the sun goes down, it's pretty dark. Now, now maybe there's a porch light on here or there, uh, maybe some street lamps. But, but for the most part, our neighborhoods, our communities are dark when the sun goes down. However, during the Christmas season in December, those things change, right? All, all of a sudden, there are lights. And here's the craziest things we do. We, we put lights in our homes. And so those curtains that we've kept closed for 11 months out of the year, all of a sudden we've opened them up. They're opened up because we have this beautiful Christmas tree and all these lights on it. And there's a special star on top. And, and so everybody can see it. And, and maybe they can see inside and they can see all the lights that we've decorated the room with. And, and maybe you go a little bit more traditional and you put those candles in the windows so everybody can see that. But we, we decorate the inside of our homes with lights. But then we also do the outsides. You know, on the outside, we put lights all over the, the roof and, and we put them on the door frames and we put them on the awnings and, and we put them on trees and we put them on the bushes. I mean, we put them everywhere. You got Santa and you got Rudolph and they're all aglow in the middle of your yard. And if you're like our family this year, we did the laser beam things. So we've got, got this little laser thing that shoots up these green and, and red lights and they move all over the place, all over the house. And I'm sure, sure our neighbors love that they're on for like 12 hours a night. But we all do this, right? And so now if you, you walk around your streets or you drive along a residential road, it's totally different. Well, what used to be dark is now bright. And it's pretty simple. Lights are all over the place, and these lights are shining in the darkness. Last week, we began this series, our Christmas series, and we, uh, we started in that Christmas book in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk, I'm totally kidding there, but in Habakkuk, we have the story of this prophet of God. And, and God is talking to this, this prophet. In fact, God is talking back and forth with Habakkuk. And here's the deal. Habakkuk looks around this, this nation, the nation of Judah, and here's what he sees. Darkness. There's darkness all around. Everywhere he looks, he sees darkness. He sees bad people. And they're doing bad things. And they're doing bad things to good people. But even the good people are doing bad things. 
And so there's violence, there's corruption, people are ungodly, all this craziness everywhere he looks and he wonders where is God? And so as we started last week, we said there's this conversation that Habakkuk has with God, this one-on-one conversation that goes back and forth. And as I think back to what we talked about last week, it, it reminds me of my favorite Christmas movie, A Few Good Men. It's not a Christmas movie. It's like Die Hard. Is it a Christmas? It's not actually a Christmas movie at all. Um, I love A Few Good Men, partly because when I was in college, we watched that movie one day, and the next day we'd watch White Man Can't Jump. And so we just kind of keep switching these movies between every single day. And so I've heard about every line you can imagine in this movie. There's some great lines in A Few Good Men if you've ever seen the movie before. I just want to share a couple of, w- of them with you this morning. Uh, here, here's one that I always love. You don't need a patch on your arm to have honor. It's like, oh, that's good. This one, I don't know how this is going to play out mixed company, but no, I like all you Navy boys. Every time we've got to go someplace to fight, you fellas always give us a ride. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should say that in this room, but you know. Uh, here's one for you. You've probably heard this even if you've never seen the movie. You want me on that wall, you need me on that wall. And the one I use on my kids all the time, you can't handle the... Right, exactly. They're like, where do you get that from? It's like from a movie. It's great. Someday I'll let you watch it, but not right now. There's one scene in this movie where um, there's this questioning that's happening of this doctor. And he's on the stand. And, uh, and as he's talking, and as uh, they're going back and forth, uh, Demi Moore's character, she jumps up. She's one of the attorneys. She jumps up. And she's like, I object. And the judge looks at her and he's like, overruled. And in that moment, she doesn't sit back down. She says, no, I strenuously object. Like, that's going to change everything for her right then in that moment. When I see that movie, when I think about what took place and what we talked about last week with Habakkuk, I see the exact same conversation happening. Because Habakkuk looks around, and all he sees is this darkness, right? He sees darkness everywhere he looks. And he's wondering, where's God? Hey, God, do you care? Hey, God, are you asleep? Hey, God, what are you going to do about this? Hey, God, if I was in your shoes, I would do this so much differently than you are. Hey, God, what's happening? He's like, God, I object to what you're not doing here in this situation. God comes back and is like, hey, I got it. I'm going to take care of it. In fact, I'm going to do something absolutely Amazing, And Habakkuk's waiting for that moment, like, oh, this is going to be good. And God's like, the Israelites are really bad, but the Babylonians are the worst people you can imagine. And they're going to come in. They're going to overthrow this kingdom. And right then, I think Habakkuk's like, no, 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 God, I strenuously object to what you're getting ready to do. I'm pretty sure this is the exact same conversation you and I have with God quite frequently. Because we look around at the darkness around us. And and then let's take this uh, introspectively. We look at ourselves and we see the darkness that we're going through in our lives, whether it's marriage struggles, uh, relationships that we're having problems with, families that we're just, we we can't seem to connect with the families that that we are part of and that we love or, or finances. We feel alone. Maybe we're struggling with that diagnosis that we got from the doctor. It, it could be depression or anxiety. We, we, we have these things in our life that are just, they just bring this darkness. In that darkness, we're, we're looking at God. We're like, God, what are you doing? Because I object to what's not happening. And I think God's like, hey, I got it. I, I'm going to take care of you. And you're like, well, you're not. So I strenuously object in this moment. 
we kind of have this back and forth with God, this conversation very much like Habakkuk has here in the book of Habakkuk. What we find in those moments when we're in this struggle with God, when we're wrestling with God, where we truly are is that we are, we're in this faith crisis. Last week, we kind of gave you a, a graph, and we kind of put it back up here and show you again. We, we said that we have life, right? Life kind of ebbs and flows. It's not really straight, but it ebbs and flows. Things happen, but it kind of averages out. And then there's this moment that we meet Jesus. And some of us meet Jesus, and our lives are changed dramatically in that moment. We're like, man, why have I been waiting on this? And we're all in. And so we're all in, and the crazy, amazing things happen, and we hit the spiritual high, and we pray, and God answers the prayers, and we go to church, or we're in a life group, or we're having a conversation with somebody, or we're reading scripture, or we're reading a book, and it's like, God is just in the midst of all this. Our life is amazing. Things are great. And then we hit this moment where this faith crisis hits, and we're struggling. And we're looking back, we're like, where is God? God, this is what you did before. Now you're not doing anything. Are you asleep? Are you paying attention? Are you listening? Well, there's this next piece to this, this graph here because what we can find ourselves in is this dip. This dip. And this is the moment where as we look at our life and where we are, we're in this faith crisis, but nothing seems to be changing. It doesn't seem to be getting worse. And at the same time, it doesn't seem to be getting better. See, Habakkuk, I think, is right here in this dip where he's questioning where is God. And I believe that you and I, we find ourselves in that same dip so frequently when we are in those dark places. We're asking that question, where is God? Do you care? Are you listening? God, let me handle this because I can take care of it so much better than you. But, but it could be within that dip, there's a purpose. Maybe there's a reason that we find ourselves in those dips in our life. But what is that reason? What is that purpose? Or maybe even better yet, how do we deal with those dips in the darkness? Well, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Habakkuk. Again, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, it's kind of hard to find. Feel free to look for it if you want to. Uh, but Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to look at a, a few verses there this morning. We're going to put it up on the screens. Uh, if you have your Journey Church app, you can open it up follow along, take notes there, and you can also take notes on your program today. But in Habakkuk chapter 2, starting with verse 1, here's what we read. Habakkuk writes, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. We talked last week, we said that uh, the very first part of Habakkuk is called Habakkuk's complaint, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's complaining about guys like, God, what are you doing? Why aren't you involved in this? Do, do you care? Are you asleep? And it really isn't different than you and I because that's the same thing we do. We whine to God, right? But we whine and, and we go. We complain, but we keep moving. We, we question God, but then we do what we want to do. We're like, God, why aren't you listening? Why aren't you doing anything? Are you asleep? But we don't wait to hear for an answer, do we? That we just keep moving in our lives. I think what we find right here with Habakkuk is he is stopping and listening. He stops and he listens. He's like, God, I've objected. I've strenuously objected. I've told you my feelings. I told you what I've seen. I told you what I've heard. And now I'm done doing that. I'm done complaining. So now, God, I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen 
to what you have to tell me. When you and I find ourselves in those depths, what do we do? Do we whine and go? Do we complain and keep moving forward? Do we get mad at God? Do we yell at God? But we just do whatever we want to do? Or do we actually take the time to stop and listen to what God may want to say to us? Now, just like last week, we had this conversation that was happening between God and Habakkuk, where we have the exact same thing happening here in chapter 2. Look at verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So Habakkuk does this. He stops and listens. And then God's like, hey, write it down. Write it down. I'm getting ready to tell you some things that I want you to share with other people. And so what I need you to do is I need you to write down what I am getting ready to say to you. Um, probably a, a great way to think about this, and I, um, and I believe this is powerful, is to write down your prayers. So, so when you pray, you know, and, and sometimes we just pray in our minds and that's totally fine. But, but what I find is if we write our prayers down, there is some record that we can go back and look at, Right? And so as you're praying, maybe you have a, a book that, or notebook that you're writing down. And I, I know people that say, hey, I write down every word that I pray. And all I can think about is, man, does your hand cramp up? Because I can't hardly write my name anymore because we don't do that very much, right? But they love to write it down. I'm like, that's beautiful. Write it down. Or maybe, maybe write down some bullet points. Or, or maybe you're writing down, hey, here's the four things I'm going to pray about today. I use a computer program and I, I type out my prayers. And so when I'm praying, I'm, I'm typing it out. So I can go back and hit the search engine and I can say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, this particular prayer. And I can go back and I can see how many times and what I prayed about, which allows me to go back and see what God did through that prayer. And so writing down our prayers are so important. But here, here's the other piece of this. And I, this is the part I, I think is great here. What about going back and writing what we hear since God is doing in our life? What if as we're praying, what we're doing is we're writing down that information. We're like, wow, you know what? I feel like God just kind of put this on my heart and we write that down. Or we have a conversation with somebody and they kind of know where we are in that dip. And they're like, hey, here's something you should think about. We're like, that's good. I'm going I'm to write that down. That, that might be from God. And, and we're writing down sort of these responses that we're hearing from God in our life that we're seeing take place. Because it allows us to go back and, and see what's happening. Because writing things down is, is really, really important. And guys, we, we struggle with this. Um, your wife's like, hey, I need you to go pick up a couple things from the grocery store. You're like, hey, sure, what are, what, whatever you need me to do, what, what are they? And she tells you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it. And she's like, no, do you, do you really know what I'm asking you to go get? And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it. And guys, we're just trying to get out of the house for 20 minutes, right? And so we, we go, we get in our car, we drive to the grocery store, we're thinking about a million other things, and, and maybe one of the things was milk. And so we get there, and, and it's like, hey, I got to get some milk. And then you stop, and you're like, whole milk, skim milk, 2% milk, lactate, rice milk, almond milk. I, I mean, which chocolate milk, which one of these milks am I supposed to get? Because I totally forgot. And, and guys, the one thing we're not going to do is call our wife on the phone, are we? Hey, honey, um... You told me to grab milk, and I don't remember. We're not going to do that. And so, guys, here's what we do to save face. We buy one of every single milk that's there. <laughs> and we pull it, and we're like, hey, honey, I got some milk. She's like, what have you done? Guys, write it down, right? <laughs> write it down. Ladies, let me tell you a secret. Make us write it down. Like, make sure you see us write it down. And be specific. My wife will tell me to go get butter at the grocery store. 
do you know there's salted and unsalted butter? Every time she says get butter, I'm like, I'm stuck. There's these two decisions to make, and I'm not sure which one to get, so I get both of them. But, um, but guys, we've got to write it down. Um, all of us, honestly, we need to be able to write down those prayers and those answers or, or how God is working in our lives so we don't forget. Because there's power in being able to go back and to see how God has been working in our life, especially in those moments of darkness. Because it's easy for us to say, hey, God's not listening to me. But, but maybe we don't know that God actually is listening to us and doing something because we're not taking the time to kind of journal it and, and write it down so we can be reminded of how God is at work. Stop and listen. Write it down. And then here's the third thing in uh, verse 3. It says, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. God says, now here's the last thing I need for you to do, Habakkuk. Are you ready for this? Wait. Wait. He's like, it's going to happen. I'm going to fulfill this, but I need you to wait. Be patient and wait. Kids are bad about instant gratification, right? You go to a store and they see a toy that they want. And they're like, oh, mom and dad, I really would like to have that toy. And that's code for, hey, mom and dad, buy this toy for me right now in this moment, okay? And if you're a good parent, what do you say? If you're a bad parent, you're like, sure, get it. Let's go home, right? I don't want you to throw a temper tantrum. That's, I'm not judging you if you do that, but maybe you do. A good parent would say, hey, you know what? It's not a toothbrush or toothpaste. It's not deodorant. No, I think you're good. Do, do you want that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, how much money do you have? Do you have money in the bank account? No, I don't. Here's, here's what you need to do. You need to earn that money. You, you need to work toward it so you can get that for yourself. Now, your kid may throw down right there in the middle of the place, and that's okay. Just leave them there. They'll find you, okay? <laughs> but it's important that we understand, you know, kids, they, they want instant gratification. It, 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 they come to the kitchen like, oh, man, I'm starving to death. I'm so hungry. And you look at them, you're like, <laughs> no, you're not, okay? You're fine. Oh, I just want something to eat. Dinner's going to be in 20 minutes. Oh, I can't wait that long. Yes, you can. All right, get out of here right now. That's the way it is in our house, okay? So I just want to be open about the way we respond to our kids. But um, that's usually me, my, not my wife. But, um, but that's, they want it. They want it then. They want it right there in that moment. It's all about instant gratification. I mean, kids, kids exemplify that every single day. But adults, we're not really any different. We're impulsive. We want things quickly. We make decisions fast. Why? Because we want that instant gratification too. We don't know how to wait. And when you're in the midst of that dark place, when you're in the midst of that dip, do we want to wait? No. We're like, God, do something now. Make something happen now. And God says, wait. Here's the crazy part, part about this story with Habakkuk. God comes in. Habakkuk says, I'm going to stop and listen. God says, okay, write this stuff down. And then I want you to wait. These things that God has described that is going to happen to the nation of Judah that, um, that he tells Habakkuk, these things are actually 
they're not even going to happen in Habakkuk's generation. It's going to be the next generation where God makes those things happen. So you can imagine being Habakkuk because he's got like the insider information and he knows it's coming. So like every single day, what is he doing? I bet he's stressing out. He's thinking, it's the day of the day. Are the Babylonians coming today? And God gave me this whole big list of all these terrible things these people could do and what they're going to do. Is it going to happen today? And so he kind of walks through his life every day with that struggle, knowing what's going to come. But it never happens in his lifetime. Sometimes that's the waiting that we have. Sometimes God's like, hey, I'm here. I actually am listening. Write this down as you hear me talking to you in whatever way that may be. But oh, by the way, wait. So that darkness, that dip, it may not go away right then in that moment. It may not be a couple of days, a couple of weeks. It may not even be a couple of years. It may be in some instances, and this is hard for us, in some instances, it may not even be in our lifetime that God answers those prayers that you and I are praying. God says, Habakkuk, what I need you to do is to now wait. For the rest of chapter 2, God tells Habakkuk how horrible again the Babylonians are. He's like, you know, I told you all those bad things in the first chapter. Right? I mean, it's even worse than that. So he began to describe who these Babylonians are again and again. This is kind of this place that Habakkuk finds him, himself in. Now, here's what you're doing right now. You're trying to figure out what does this have to do with the Christmas story? How does this connect with the story of Christmas? Well, I, I think for, for you and I, we know we have those moments when life is hard and life is, is tough. It's not easy to understand what's going on. Uh, For a follower of Christ, it's hard to see God sometimes moving. And we've got to be in those moments of of waiting. But in that darkness, we're looking for one thing. We're looking for light. So one thing we're looking for. In that darkness, we're looking for light. Habakkuk is looking for light. You and I, I think many times when we're in that darkness, when we're in those dips, we are looking for light. We're looking for hope. We want a hope that we can hold on to and a a hope that we can embrace. Here's the crazy part. God always brings light into the darkness. We can actually go back to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. We, we look here in Genesis 1, and we see we've got this earth, and, and there's no there's form. It's empty. It's covered in darkness. It's pretty much, except for FedEx Field, pretty much the worst place you could ever be in your entire life, right? It's a horrible place. But in this darkness, what do we find? We find God's Spirit. In this darkness, we find this light that is there. Because look at what happens in verse 3. Because God creates something, right? God's like, hey, I'm going to create something. He doesn't create cows. He doesn't create vegetables. He doesn't create humans. He creates light. It says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was the first creation. In all of this darkness, the one thing that God creates before everything else is light. Because light has always been God's way of dealing with darkness. And when you and I are struggling and we have darkness in our lives, do you know what we're looking for? We're looking for light. 
That's the one thing we're looking for. We're looking for a ray of light. We're looking for some hope in those tough times. We're looking for something to light that darkness. And I know that this time of year is one of the hardest times for many people. And we look around and everybody's celebrating, everybody's having parties, and everybody's got smiles on their face and they look joyful and, and all this crazy stuff. And, and so we look around and yet we look at ourselves and we're like, but I'm not there. And in fact, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling because of the loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship, a, a marriage that's broken. Again, that diagnosis that I got or the depression and anxiety that I struggle with on a day-to-day basis. I, I, I look around and I think, Am I okay because of where I am? What we're looking for at this time, we're looking for that light, a light in our darkness. And I know Christmas can sometimes bring out the the darkest of the dark in us. And all we're doing, we're looking for just a, a little bit of light to shine. My hope is that during the Christmas season that we can be reminded that in the darkness... God brings light. That in our struggles, that in our hard times, that God gives us the light that we need. And that Christmas reminds us it's more than that tree, it's more than those decorations, it's more than those lights, it's it's more than knowing kung fu moves when you're out shopping because people are crazy. It's more than any of that. It's all about this, this light that only comes from God. Last week at the end of our message, we read something out of John chapter 1, where John gives his rendition of the Christmas story. And he he says this, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And verse 5 is the, the powerful one. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John knows that that Jesus has been around from the beginning of time. He's like, that light has always been. That light is right here now, and that light will always be. And some translations say that light can never be extinguished. So in our darkness, there's light. The legend of uh, how we came up with Christmas lights, it didn't come from some Pinterest article, okay? Um, it, it actually comes out of about 500 years ago with Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther was a theologian, uh, really the, the founder, the father of the, the Reformation movement. And um, says the, the story goes that he was walking along in the forest one evening. It was dark, and he, he was trying to get back to his house pretty quickly because he started hearing the animals all around. He was a little bit of afraid. But as he's walking through this forest, he, he looks up, and in the trees, through the trees, he sees the stars shining through. And he's like, Wow. This is beautiful. And so he thought, I, I think I know a way to re- recreate this. And, and so he cuts down this tree and he takes it into his house and he sets it up. And, and then he takes candles and he puts on all the branches of this tree and he lights them up. And he's like, man, look at this. This is, this is what it looks like outside. As you're walking around and, and it's dark, you have this light that is coming through the limbs. And, and for him, it was a reminder of who Christ was. That the Christ was the light that shined in the darkness. Now, again, this is legend. And by the way, probably don't try candles on a Christmas tree at home, all right? I don't know how things turned out in those first few Christmas trees. I'm assuming it didn't turn out very well for some people. Um, but, uh, but, but the beauty is, if you think about it, that, that's the power of the lights that we see. 
And as we look at these Christmas trees, it's all about these lights, about the stars shining in the darkness to guide us and to help us as we go through our life, as we go through those dark times. That in the darkness, God always brings light. That in the beginning of time, in that darkness, God brought light. For Habakkuk, he's still looking for that light, right? But here's what he knows. God is there. We'll read something from him in just a little bit that, that proves that to us. But, but he knows God is there. And, and then here we find out a little bit later on, after Habakkuk, about 600 years later, we see this light come into existence in our world. John talks about it, but Luke writes it this way. And while they were there, the time came for her, her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. God brings light into the darkness. In the next few weeks, Christmas will be over with. And um, we're going to start tearing down our decorations. We're going to start taking the lights off of the bushes and the trees and the awnings and Santa and, and Rudolph will have flown away to wherever they need to go and that laser beam light in our front yard will be gone and, and our neighbors again will love us for it. But as we, as we think about that, our, our communities are going to go dark again, right? All, all these lights that are shining and twinkling right now, they're, they're going to go dark again. But we have to be reminded that in our lives, even though that darkness may be present, even though the struggles may be there, that light always shines. And for us, that light came on that night when that baby was born. That's the light that John talks about. That's the light that overcomes the darkness. That's the light that will never, ever be extinguished. Where does that leave us? Well, for some of us, maybe it reminds us that we have been gifted God's light, that we've maybe forgotten about it, or, or we know it, and it's just a reminder. The story of Christmas reminds us that God sent his light to this earth to light up our darkness. And then maybe for others of us, it helps us come to grips that there is a light for the darkness we may face that that light is always there, that that light never goes out, that even though we may not see it or sense it, it still is shining. Habakkuk even says this. At the very end of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, he writes these bleak words, and then he writes these beautiful words. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He says, even though there is darkness all around, even though everything I see just goes against what I believe in my heart, even though I've got this struggle with God, even though all of that is here, in verse 18, he says, I'm still going to be joyful in God. I'm still going to find my strength in God. And here's the cool part. And what's God going to do? God's going to lift me out of this. I don't know when. I don't know what's going to look like. I'm going to stop and listen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to write these things down. I'm going to wait. But this is what I believe about God. Why? Because Habakkuk embraced God. And you and I probably need to embrace 
God, in the darkness, in those dips of life. And, and as we travel around, as we go to our homes, as we see those glowing lights every single night, let them be a reminder that in the darkness, God is present. And in the darkness, God has given us his son, Jesus. That's the light that always, always overcomes the darkness. And nothing will ever extinguish it.